Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Thursday morning, the 19th of October. A very good morning to everybody through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers in the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. A lot going on in our neck of the woods throughout rural and regional Queensland and obviously yesterday we focused on the government support um, that would be needed with Glencore shutting down their copper mine by the end of 2025. Um, the workers need to be supported and look, the package of up to 50 million will help workers affected by the closure but it's not enough. So the government's come out and they've said they understand it but they're not going to go and get everybody out of jail about this. Uh, they've looked at it. They understand that the Mount Isa Copper Operation has been operating for over 60 years and it will be f felt, but they expect Glencore to do the right thing by their workers in the communities and try and get them other jobs. Well, we'll just see and wait and hold our breath on that. Lots to get through this morning. We'll look at the markets. Um, UNESCO, I'm horrified and disgusted by them. Um, and I'm going to address that later. But Lachlan Miller, the member for Gregory, he covers a huge area of our listening network, yesterday made the tough decision to stand down uh, for the next election. He joins us next on Rural Queensland Today. Lachlan Miller, the member for Gregory, he's our first guest this morning on this Thursday morning, the 19th of October. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Let's start the show um, with the news that came through yesterday. After almost nine years in the Queensland Parliament, Lachlan Miller yesterday announced, the member for Gregory, that he'll be not contesting the state election next October 2024. After nine years, um, he is going back and giving a bit of time back to his family, and rightly so, but he's done an amazing job uh, for the seat of Gregory. And it's now time um, to step aside at the end of this term. Now, for those who don't understand how big a seat this is, this covers 460,000 square kilometres, a quarter of Queensland. Starts 100 kilometres west of Rockhampton at the Central Highlands Regional Council boundary and stretches all the way to Birdsville and Bullia and to the Northern Territory border. So you can imagine his family haven't seen him much over the last nine years. Uh, the seat of Gregory is a strong, loyal LMP seat and it has been absolutely um, given the greatest respect by the member for Gregory, Lachlan Miller. He joins me this morning on rural Queensland today. Firstly, mate, congratulations, but I think everybody who saw this announcement come through yesterday probably was in a little bit of shock. Um, these decisions don't come lightly, but no doubt you've been thinking about this for a while. Firstly, congratulations and and how did you get to this place? Oh, mate, look, it, uh, you know, obviously I, I promised my wife and, and, and my kids that I'd do three terms. Well, guess what? I've done three terms. And, uh, you know, it'll be 10 years by October next year when the election comes around. I think that's a, that, that's, a, that's a fair fair effort uh, for a seat like Gregory. And I also believe in renewal, mate. You can't sit in these seats for a long time. I've seen... In the past, where people have just stayed and stayed, where you know there's a great opportunity for someone new to come in uh, with fresh eyes, fresh passion, and and to drive the seat forward. Uh, you you don't own the seat; you just you just uh, you know work on the seat and and you look to try and pass it on in a better way than you found it. Um, now, of course, you know we've had some fantastic members 
of Parliament and, of course, uh, you know, a very close friend to you and, and, and to Queensland was Vaughan Johnson, who did this seat for a long time Legend. as well. So, you know, um, it, it's time, you know, I, I just felt it was time, mate. It was time that, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm, you know, I've got 12 months. I'm going to be working flat out for the next 12 months. And uh, after, uh, you know, the election next year, I'll be looking to advocate to Western Queensland in a different way. It won't be as the member for Gregory. I don't know what that looks like at this stage, but uh, I will still be a, a strong advocate for Western Queensland and making sure that we stick up for rural Queensland. So this seat, it's a big seat, um, and, and we're going to get to the current issues of the world at the moment because there's a lot going on. But when you, how did you get into Parliament? How was that process, mate? And how did you come about getting elected for the seat of Gregory? Well, I've always been, uh, I suppose, involved in advocating for Western Queensland. Um, I started, yeah, obviously, off the land uh, in, in the Central Highlands, mate, involved heavily in the National Party as a young young bloke. I actually, the funny story is, mate, I, as, a, as, a, as a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old, I was handing out how to vote cards for Vince Lester, who was the member for Peak Downs. <laughs> you know, yeah. My family have always been involved in the National Party. And then, of course, uh, you know, um, I... As a lot of uh, blokes from agriculture do, they go and look at getting a trade or, or, or a career just in case farming doesn't work out. So, mate, I ended up uh, as a rural reporter for the ABC back in the 90s yeah. and uh, um, and started my career out at Longreach. And uh, so, again, advocating uh, for Western Queensland and making sure that we had a strong voice. And then, you know, obviously back on the land, mate, uh, Always sort of involved, you know, in in the LNP, well, the National Party, then the LNP, and a uh, big supporter of, you know, obviously of Ag Force and, you know, Cotton Australia and all those sort of uh, organisations, mate. So it was always a natural progression, I suppose. And then when Vaughan put his, uh, said he was retiring in 2015, um, I I decided to throw my hat in the ring, not expecting to win it either, mate. You know, I, yeah. I didn't, you know, there were some very strong candidates. Uh, uh, anyway, I was fortunate enough to get pre-selected for the LNP, and then, of course, in 2015, uh, uh, you know, uh, I was elected as the member for Gregory. The, the, I guess the, the, the not, not the sad thing, but uh, you know, we, this was uh, straight after the Newman first term in 2012 sure. or 2015, thinking that I would be the member for Gregory if I got over the line, I'd be in government. But unfortunately, we, the LNP, lost. <coughs> um, that election and the unlosable, the unlosable, un- yes, mate, yes. And you know, <clears throat> I've been in opposition for three terms, and people are saying, you know, surely you'd like to have a term in government. Well, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I hope we can win the next election, but uh, um, but I can serve <clears throat> in a different way, not as the member for Gregory, but uh, you know, to advocate somehow for Western Queensland, even if we do win government. Or, you know, but uh, it's not the end of the end of the road for Lachlan Miller. It's uh, just a different path I'll be taking. Lachlan, how does the pre-selection work? Can you just give everybody an understanding? Because it's 12 months out. How do people who would be interested in this seat, ha- what's the process? How does this all work? Well, the LNP will now uh, open pre-selections for the seat of Gregory. So uh, people uh, who are members of the LNP... Um, uh, who've been involved will we'll nominate uh, and uh, basically um, it'll be up to local branch members to pre-select uh, that candidate. Now, that candidate will be our candidate standing at the next election. Right. So, um, you know, 
obviously Labor will have a candidate, I guess One Nation and maybe Catter and there'll be an independent, you know, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, they've got to win the election uh, on, you know, October 24, in October 24, mate. And, uh, uh, you know, nothing's for certain, nothing's for certain. But, you know, I think uh, we will find a very, very good candidate, a very strong candidate, mate, and someone who'll do this. And hopefully win the October 24 election and do 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 the seat of Gregory Crowd. So people who are out there, you, you obviously need to be a member of the LNP. That's a, a starting point. Um, and then obviously the the LNP members are the ones who will vote in a pre-selection uh, who who will be the candidate to stand in the October 2024 election. Correct. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. You've right. got to obviously you know if you, if you want to stand for the LNP. And you want to be the LNP's candidate, you've got to be a member of the LNP, yeah, mate. Yeah, 100%. Part of the team. Simple. <laughs> so people need to do that. And there'll be people out there listening today who might just think, hang on, I, I would like to do that. Um, I suppose in a lot of ways, a lot of people were shocked that, that this was happening for yourself, like um, a very safe seat. But you, you, you make a really valid point about not being stale and and just not taking, yeah. just not taking the paycheck. Um, and just and going through the motions, and after ten years, f- phenomenal service, Lachlan. I want to talk to you. We're gonna we're gonna take a break quickly, and then come back. I want to continue this conversation because there's a lot going on in your neck of the woods that we need to address. Just hang on. We'll take a break. Lachlan Miller, the member for Gregory, after yesterday's announcement that he'd be standing down ahead of the state election in October 2024. Um, he will not be contesting it as the member for Gregory, so there will be. Obviously, a lot taking place in that time. We'll take a break on Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Our guest this morning is the member for Gregory Lachlan Miller, who is still very much heavily involved. And uh, we just talked a little earlier. Uh, He has another 12 months in the seat, and there's a lot taking place. Lachlan, I, and this has only happened in the last month, but the phone calls, the emails, uh, the text messages, that I've received around gravel pits and the debacle that is taking place at the moment about gravel pits and registrations and private treaty, um, it, it is nothing short of concerning. Um, we, we spoke with Mac Chan yesterday um, from, from Claremont around Carers Week and the, the debacle that is going on even there in that council Johnny Wharton has talked to us. We've spoken, you know, to numerous people in your electorate. How is this being controlled by the state government that if it's not registered, trucks are driving 300 kilometres when they could be pulling gravel from a pit right next door to where the job is and being charged? This is almost laughable because of um, some of the Indigenous laws that are going on and what is being taken place and the laws that are being made out of Brisbane. Yeah, mate, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's a debacle. I mean, if, when you've got uh, you know, councils that uh, can't use gravel pits, gravel pits are being locked up, they can't get access to gravel. Uh, the cost of uh, building roads has just increased dramatically now. That's really stretching councils' budgets. Uh, this is a simple fix, um, you know, and, 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 the, and the Queensland government have got to fix this. They know it's in front of them. They, we've talked, I've, I've talked about it in Parliament, uh, you know, that this is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and it's a, it's, it's a, it needs leadership. It needs leadership from the Premier. It needs leadership from the Minister for Main Roads. It needs leadership from this government, which continue to be 
uh, you know, stalling this process for some reason. Um, you know, we've got to be able to build roads, be able to have access to gravel pits, uh, but be able to, you know, you know, not see the the, the the expense just blow out the way that's blowing out. So, yeah, look, you know, it, it's up to the so premise. Did, so who, who, who is – and this is the thing that I understand. Who is in charge of this? Who is the person that is in charge of whether or not these gravel pits have to get locked up? What, what, what department is it? I know TMR are obviously, you know – they're heavily involved, but they're getting their direction from someone. Well, they're obviously getting their direction, you know, from from you know the premier. But the the, the department that's in charge of this at the moment, <clears throat> funny enough, or ridiculous enough, I should say, is the Department of Agriculture. So it's Mark Ferner. He has to work this through. Now um, <clears throat> he has to work with the native title holders, work with local councils, but just get it done, make a decision, because you know we've got. Uh, Road crews that need to build roads. Uh, we need access to gravel pits. It's it's it's, it's just got to be sorted. Well, it's out. costing and, uh, it's costing councils so much money. I, yesterday, I heard a figure: um, a, a stretch of road cost one point two million dollars more than it was necessarily required because they wouldn't allow a gravel pit and water truck. Now, you think about the damage that this is doing. Like you could bitumen roads for what what is going on. So, if Mark Ferner is in charge, the ag minister. Well, well, that bodes not well for for us because we know full well that he he has not got the best interests of the bush at heart. It just is, it's clear from his actions. Well, he's got to, he's got to fix it up, mate. It's just you know time for action, time to make a decision, get it done. You know, let's let's stop procrastinating. Let's stop looking at reasons why not to fix this up. It's it's a simple thing that uh, gravel pits. You have uh, councils and uh, road. Crews have access to gravel pits straight away uh, because it's important we have safe roads uh, in regional Queensland. Also, we shouldn't be spending $1.2 million a kilometre on building a road in regional Queensland. Uh, That is wasting taxpayers' money, ratepayers' money, and it's putting enormous pressure on those councils. on those councils, yeah, absolutely. And and this is the thing. They're, They're crippling them over it, and it's such a small thing but such a major issue. I want to talk about the biggest issue going on at the moment, and then this is over the last twenty four hours, and obviously you've been a part of this. But David Crisopulli has withdrawn his support, um, and rightly so, on the path to treaty here in Queensland. Last weekend, the Australian public spoke around the voice. Now, there was bipartisan support here at the state level six months ago uh, for a pathway to treaty. Now. I completely understand why David has pulled his support because he's listened to the Queensland public who don't want this way. The clear message is that there needs to be another way. Um, Has he made the right decision? And he did so in good faith. Um, But now what is the way forward? Because there's going to be a lot of toing and froing and nastiness come from this Queensland government because the LNP can no longer support the path to treaty um, and will not pursue one if elected to government. Yeah, he's made the right choice, mate. I mean, uh, let's be honest. I, I think right now, mate, we have a nation that's divided uh, because of the voice referendum. Um, it has divided uh, the nation and, and, and you know, you, I've only got to look at the results here in Queensland where it's in the high 60s, nearly 70%. Uh, in, in the seat of Maranoa, up to 84%, seat of Flynn, 
76% no. You know, people don't like a divided nation. They don't mm. like, you know, what, what's been going on. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> and David has made the, uh, made a great announcement and that our pathway to treaty is only going to divide a Queensland state. Yeah. Uh, we need to come together. We need to work with our Indigenous communities on health, education and housing. I've been out to places in the seat of Gregory, mate, where, you know, like you're in Danji, where, I, you know, I've seen some of the saddest things where, you know, uh, living conditions for, you know, young female Indigenous people with children, you know, uh, camping under corrugated iron in 45 degree heat. Yeah. You know, not proper housing. Uh, you know, children not going to school in some areas. You know, um, you know, it's we need to we need to work on our indigenous communities in health, education, and housing. But a pathway to treaty is not the way to help it. It only divides. It separates people. We need to bring people together. So David has made the absolute right decision, mate, and I'm very proud he's made that decision. And it's about it's about uniting Queensland, not dividing it. You're so right. Just quickly, the stock route situation, um, never has it been put under pressure again, and we've had this debate many, many times. But we're now looking at a situation where they need to be rectified and fixed, and you're still right to say, well, the councils need to do it. But not every council has been doing it. Now, last weekend alone, last Saturday night, within a 30k radius of Blackall, there was 7,000 head in four different mobs. Now, I mean, no no stock route, even if they are fully maintained, they've had to cut water there. You know, we're in a really dry situation, Lachlan, mm. and this is getting to the point of laughable almost. Mm. Yeah, it's sort of reminding me of 2012 at the moment, mate, when, uh, you know, the, the last route started. Uh, you know, things are starting to dry up and our stock routes are... We're going to come under pressure, mate, and, and we can't continue to... Uh, well, Mark uh, Ferner doesn't want anything to do with it at all. He yeah. said that. He's yeah. been very clear. Um, yeah. He wants nothing yeah. at all. So it, it's just going to be another scenario where we are left to kick the can in another council situation where if the councils don't put money into it, um, th- th- then they don't exist. Yeah, well... well and that's the thing, and, and, and councils can't afford to you know, have to do all the heavy lifting on this. The Queensland government should be doing the heavy lifting on this. Here's the thing: that the Queensland government uh, boasts about getting fifteen billion dollars worth of coal royalties. Well, how about you start spending some of those coal royalties back where they come from, yeah, and start putting start putting some um, effort into in, into you know obviously our, our stock routes, you know, because they, they're going to come under pressure, mate. We know that. They're, well, the, the cattle will be starting to walk soon. It'll be you know. Yeah, well, well, it's starting yeah. now, mate. It's it's on now. Yeah. So, mate, look, we really appreciate you giving me some time. Congratulations. Obviously, we'll talk to you regularly, but um, the, the announcement made yesterday that you will be standing down and not uh, contesting the next state election due in October 2024, congratulations on nine years. Hopefully, the last year of your tenure will be your best year. And um, the, the member for Gregory and the seat of Gregory are, are very lucky to have had you there and looking after everybody and all the interests of Western Queensland. Really appreciate your time this morning. Mate, appreciate it, and I always appreciate your support, mate, and your advocacy for Western Queensland. Thank, thank you so much. Good on you. Lachlan Miller, we'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today.
Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Let's look at the markets and we'll start with Dolby Anthony Highland uh, from Grant Daniel Long St George joining us this morning. 3,550 head, almost 1,000 extra on last week reported by Trevor Hess yarded at the Dolby weekly prime and store sale. Anthony, good morning. Firstly, it's a bit of a season update in the Boulogne, mate. Obviously, uh, the winds are blowing. They came late, but it's as dry as chips at the moment. Are you guys got headers rolling yet? They're pretty well all done, Ben. I think it's been the quickest quickest harvest recorded. But uh, there's there's still a bit of action around. Uh, there's still a bit of green wheat, you know, in the paddocks down around Fallon and, and Mungandive, what is there. So uh, they're still sort of, you know, they've been working towards getting these off. But Surratt's done, I think. All those fellas are done, but there's still a little bit to go. But it'll be be done relatively quickly. And, the, and mate, there's not a lot of cotton going on the ground. There's a limited amount of water. Again in the Ballon, so um, anyway, we, I think we, the last three years we said it didn't stop running, but it stopped now, and there's not a lot left in the system. But there's a little bit, there's a little bit that will be planted, but you know the price of cotton seed now this year, it um, wonder where it could be next year if we don't get a, a fair crop in. You know, it's an interesting situation that you talk about the Ballon, and we'll get to Dolby in a second. But I mean that water just flowed and flowed and flowed and flowed and flowed. And if we could catch them, there was more water there. It could have been years' worth of supply. But because of the current laws, you, you can't keep Not everybody can keep it. Now, downstream, flooded people got flooded like they didn't know what to do with it all. I oh, laid the boys at Hebel and Durham Bandy and all the way down the line. They, 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 you, you, couldn't, you couldn't transact business. And you, plenty of fellas could have pumped a bit more or tried to hold a bit more and let a bit go and hold it up. And Anyway, that's... That's how they like to control control what we do in the in the bush, I suppose. Then, but anyway, it, we, yeah, look, the water's drying up, so um, it'd be good to have be able to keep a bit more next time around. Yeah, you're dead right. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about the market. You know, they quoted it on the on everybody talking an MLA. You know, some marginal improvements, but you know, it held as such the market. Yeah, and I think it's pretty fair to say that, Ben. But you know, uh, a shift of two and three cents isn't changing a lot on on dollars and and buyers' commitments and and vendors' um, uh, results. So look, it, it's still a it was still a tough day out of the office. Um, few, few commission buyers weren't there. There's a few new faces there as well to take up some slack. But the processing job. Um, yeah, they 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 they're still wanting to be active on cattle. Ben, the cows, the fat cows, dollar seventy, dollar eighty, bullocks ninety. Um, few bullocks over the two dollars. Like they're, they're just there's there's not a lot fronting up in the market. Um, and you know, a bit of heat starting to travel out in the west and the and the north this week. They just maybe they're not going to turn up in the in the in the live physical market. Um, you know, who knows? But. Anyway, limited numbers to work on. Uh, process is still active. The market's where it's at, Ben. We know where it's at and um, no, no real improvement. Medium weight yielding steers to feed, 234 to average 225. Heavy weight yielding steers to feed, 222 and made to 236. And medium weight yielding heifers to feed, 206 to average 164. Uh, good heavyweight heifers, 230. Planer classes, 186 to 2 bucks. Cows still um, nothing to write home about. One fifty three for the best of the cows to average to top at one seventy four. 
uh, up to 181. Heavyweight bulls, 222. So, I mean, looking at that, it's not it's not rocket science at the moment, is it? it, it it's still very much a... Um, we need rain, and, and rain will change and slow things down considerably. Oh, 100%, 150%, Ben. I mean, I, the, the, you know, the, there's, um, there's cattle that need to be sold at the moment, and there's cattle that people are hopefully not, not having to be a panic sell. You know, there's probably there's commitments to be made, um, you know, with, with, with livestock, and if you need to sell because of feed and, and maybe a little bit of money or, or bills to pay, but... Um, I, I, I don't. Yeah, the, the the lack of rain forced this market to where we're at. Um, well, that's my thought on it anyway. But I I hope people aren't, uh, you know, panic completely panicking about this situation. It, it's very ugly at the moment. We can see that on on paper. Um, but you know, you're going to want some stock around you for when it does rain, and 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 we're getting into that point of the the job when it when it should be starting to front up. Um, you know, you don't want to be completely naked when it does rain like last time. But, but you know, this is this is year one, not year three of a of a dry spell neither, Ben. So, you know, who knows where we're at? But I, I just, um, you know, there's a big opportunity out there on these little heifers and the steers. But in saying that, we need the feeder price to to improve and the kill price to improve again for that for that feeder market. Be, yeah, you know, it's all very sort of relative at the moment at two dollars twenty for a feeder when we're unsure of where we're going to be in February for a 100-day grain-fed product. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of unknowns there. The yeah. one thing we do know is, is, look, when it rains, you don't want to be naked. And that's the big thing. There's, there's plenty of opportunity. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Ben. You have a good week. Good on you, Anthony Highland there. Now, let's continue uh, with the Gracemere say yards. Um, and obviously, there was 1,582 head yarded yesterday at Gracemere, and um, look, the market had cattle penned from Theodore to Miriam Vale and through to Mount Coolum. Conditions varied. Lightweight pens are yielding steers, uh, reached 275 to average returns between 208 and 252. Medium weight pens averaged 205 to 234. Lightweight yielding heifers averaged 156 to 191 to restockers and backgrounders. Medium weight pens sold to an average of 143 cents for plain pens to 196. A number of small, unfinished grown steers to processors, 193 to 206, with the balance shared by feeders, restockers, and the livex to average 190 to 229. Grown heifers selling to trade averaged 182, with feeders averaging 159 to 197, and restockers 165 to 185. Plain two score cows averaged 106 to 141 with heavy four score cows selling to processors making $1.64. Live X purchased most of the bulls, 180 to 218. Mixed offering of cows and calves, 650 to $1,000 per unit. Richard Thompson reporting there. Uh, looking at Charters Towers, and there was only a limited supply. And um, obviously, with a lot going on. Having a look at Charters Towers numbers, uh, 821 cattle. So it's hard to report uh, on that yarding that has dropped considerably. Uh, there was a limited number. Lightweight steers returned to the paddock, 252, 195 to 213. Heifers, well, they were tough as tough, 56 to average 53, 153. So that's the roundup across the state on yesterday's sales. 
Still, um, we will continue to give you everything that's going on in this neck of the woods, and we really appreciate and understand just how tough this is at the moment. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, I talked and I have touched on this with Mike Gear, and I also talked yesterday strongly just around the latest Queensland land clearing review. Well, it's come out now that it was done without any consultation whatsoever of industry. Mike Gearan said on Rural Queensland today at the start of the week that it absolutely 100% had no input from Ag Force at all. They had no none whatsoever. The independent expert panel, which was tasked with identifying positive solutions in relation to negative vegetation management as well as providing recommendations for improvement, this is from the release, made 10 recommendations. I talked about this. Now, there's no way, there's no way that they are going to think about this in any other way if you're the LMP. But yesterday... Um, the destruction of North Queensland became very apparent and for rural Queensland. The Catter Party released a statement around a leaked letter outlining the Commonwealth Labor's government plans to hang Australian farmers, fisheries and battlers out to dry in order to appease elites and it has been described as a blueprint for regional destruction. Now, this is quite unbelievable. The letter, authored by Federal Environment and Water Minister Tanya Plibersek to UNESCO's Director-General, Audrey Azoulay, was dated on May the 25th, 2023. And it describes in detail a lot of new water quality, fisheries and climate change measures being pursued by Labor in response to UNESCO's reactive monitoring mission to the Great Barrier Reef Report. This is what I've been talking about for some time. In the letter, Minister Plibersek writes that the Commonwealth Government had worked closely with the World Heritage Centre to ensure these actions meet your expectations and address the recommendations of the mission report. Have we found out that these recommendations, whether or not there's any facts to them? And I'm going to read you them. UNESCO gives some report. There's no factual evidence behind it. It's just an opinion. And the Labor government, the environmental minister, dated the 25th of May, we're now in October, writes back and says, we are going to do everything we can to pursue the measures and make sure that our response is right. So here is some of the measures promised to UNESCO. This is what the Labor government has said. This is quite unbelievable. One, by the 31st of December 2023, that's this year, a complete mapping of all priority areas of grazing land for gully repairs and associated restoration and remediation activities. Is that right? That's going to happen this year. By January 2024, the next month, double compliance activities undertaken across 
the regulated reef catchment areas comparative to 2021 in order to enforce landholder compliance with reef protection regulated standards. I'll come back to that. By July 2024, expand the implementation of the 2018 land clearing legislation and further strengthen protection to remnant and high-value conservation areas. Wow. So that's next July. They're going to strengthen the land clearing legislation even more. By February 2025, accelerate progress to achieve all water quality targets through programs of sediment, nutrient, pesticide reduction through combined efforts in regulation, accelerated landscape restoration programs. Completely restructure access areas to fisheries in and around the reef. We know what they're doing to gillnet fishing. By 31st of December 2023, complete, establish a complete net-free zone in north third of the property, Cape Bedford to the tip of Cape York, establishing additional net-free zones that expand net restrictions to the Gulf of Carpentaria area, protect the threatened species that move between there. Wowee. That's why they're bringing the fisheries UNESCO. By the 31st of December, finalising all harvest strategies to find quotas for all species and working to achieve target economic yields of 60% biomass. By the 31st of December, introduce legislation to mandate the use of independent data validation on all commercial fishing vessels. No wonder the fisheries industry is just de- devastated because UNESCO, along with Tanya Plibersek, are bringing it to its knees just like the agricultural industry. And by the 30th of June 2027, phase out all, all gillnet fishery to ensure the property as whole will be gillnet free. How are we going to eat fish? I don't know off the back of that. Set successfully more ambitious emissions reductions targets, reflecting the highest possible ambition and consistent with achieving net zero by 2050. Gee whiz. No wonder people are completely completely disillusioned. What a gross betrayal to the Australian people that UNESCO's demands have been accepted by a Labor government. Remember where Labor started? In Bar Calden. Remember off the back of what? People, and you should be outraged about what has happened under the Labor watch. You have been compromised. You have shamelessly handed over all your political autonomy to a global authority that would never have seen the consequences of these sweeping and bizarre policy changes. Now, if you're farming or you're fishing and you live in a regional rural Queensland community, you should be completely, completely worried because the future is being regulated in a direct response by a Paris-based organisation, UNESCO. That's the the truth. Tanya Plibersek is so out of her depth, it is not funny. They have taken away the rights for anybody who has a business. And And the contradictory situation out of all this, and I mean this genuinely, is that if you own land and, you know, we know what their clearing laws are, they've, they've made that very clear, that, you know, they're going to phase out this and, and they want to make sure by 2024 expand the implementation, 
of the 2018 land clearing legislation to strengthen protection the remnant of high value conservation areas. But hang on. If you're renewable, you're allowed to clear it. If you're putting a solar farm, you can put it 70 k's away from the Great Barrier Reef. What happens if one of them run off into the into the creek? On the creek. That you're allowed to do that because it's a renewable. The contradictory situation this is in is something to behold. UNESCO are not by any means our friends. And unfortunately, a party that was started off the back of the shearers protecting the worker, the Labor Party, is no longer a friend of Queensland regional areas or anybody in regional Australia. This is a sad, sad day. And unfortunately, unless we do something about it from a political perspective, it is only going to get worse because the patients are running the asylum. Well, that's it from us here this morning on Rural Queensland Today across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Bill McDonald joins you next for the next couple of hours and we'll be back tomorrow morning from 9am. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Remember, when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time. From all the team here, myself, Ben Dobbin, and everybody else involved in Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, have a great Thursday. We'll see you again tomorrow.